for us today. I want to confess and share that I was, I was reading and, and studying and knowing that this is our second week in this series of resurrecting, and today our, our word is humility. I constantly was thinking, am I reading this humbly enough? Or what, is, what does humility look like? And I want to assure us, even as the scripture is read today, that we can take a deep breath, that just in our openness to receiving and hearing, a word will be spoken to us. So let us open our hearts and minds to hear Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. This is a letter from Paul to Philippi. He says this, Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Our thanks be to God. I wonder if you have ever met someone who seems to apologize for everything. Have you ever encountered a person like that? I have a good friend who opens a lot of her sentences with, I'm sorry, before even asking a question or contributing to a conversation. There are people who feel like they are in the way or who have questions they feel bad for for asking, like somehow they should already know all the answers to all the questions. Or they feel like they shouldn't need anything from anyone else. Or they even feel like they need to adjust who they are to better accommodate others. My grandfather, Pop as I call him, would seem to many to be the most humble person alive. He always finds ways to uh, minimize receiving credit or acknowledgement that he helped with, with something or had an important thought or insight to contribute. You probably know people like this as well. Almost humble to a fault, trying so hard not to be prideful or, or get the attention that they slink back out of view, sometimes even limiting their ability to bring people along because they don't want to draw anyone's attention. Today, as we look at resurrecting humility... We first are going to turn our attention to the scripture to understand what Paul was saying about the role humility should play in our lives. Paul talks about an energy that we exude out into the world that flows out of God's desire for us to be united together as a community 
and to find personal wholeness. Now, you might be thinking, I didn't, I don't remember hearing the word energy in the scripture that you used, but the Greek word energio refers to power, action, and work. And it floods a lot of this letter that Paul is writing to Philippi. Paul directs us to look at our energy, the energy that is within us, our power, the the action, the, the work that we do. And as we do so to look towards Christ as being the example for our lives. And then to make it our own. To claim it, to receive it. He says that if we are truly to reflect or imitate Christ, that in doing so we will experience joy and fulfillment. However, of strong importance is to realize that this energy or, or power that we are to imitate is not about our own potential or strength, but rather that we imitate Christ's energy and power and strength. And that is always directed towards another, to our neighbor, to those that surround us. And Paul suggests that in order for us to to gain this in our lives, we have to understand Christ's humble spirit. That's when we can grow in likeness with Christ and oneness with one another. So what does it mean to be humble? How should we resurrect humbleness? In this three-week series that we were doing after Easter and the resurrection of Christ, we wanted to focus on how and what God has and is resurrecting in our lives and in the world today. And the word resurrecting is intentional because it implies action. Because there is a role for, for us to play in what God is doing. And as we look at humility, we can't dive into what it means or or how to live it out without understanding the word and the implications and and the challenges as well. Now, the the word, it, it means for us, the word humility is the same as humiliated. It was even mentioned in the, the children's moment. They're, these words are very close to each other. They, they share the same Latin root word, humiliulus. And it is very important for us that we don't mistaken as we have a conversation about what humility and, and what humbleness looks like to understand what our invitation in this is. Our role is not to humble others in the form of creating instances of humiliation, but rather to become and be humble like Christ, as it suggests in the Scriptures. Christ who regards the needs of others. 
Christ who, who pays attention to what I can do, what you can do to help and to support others. Christ who treats others with care and respect by recognizing both the challenges and the imbalances of what is often in front of others. Think about for just a minute how frustrated you might have been at some point when you have worked really hard on a project and you didn't feel like you were fairly or adequately rewarded when you got done. Maybe it was a a big project at, at work and you barely even received a thank you, much less a bonus for doing all the work that you did or to be considered for that promotion that is up. It doesn't feel good when there are imbalances around us. We want to raise our hand and say, but what about me? Or I think about the classic example of a child who independently works on their science fair project. They work really hard and give it a lot of attention and do their very best. And then their friend over here has the help of a parent. And that child is the one who ends up getting first place for that science fair work. There's an imbalance. There there are challenges that come along the way. The work of humility unfolds in front of us in lots of different instances of our lives in a lot of different ways. Humility suggests submission should not be forced upon individuals or groups of people in order to establish or perpetuate structures of of domination or oppression. Just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't mean that that is what you should do. And as ones who seek to follow Christ, loving God and others is the highest call upon each one of our lives. But we struggle with what then should this look like? What am I to do is often a question that we find ourselves asking. What does this look like? Now, sometimes we, we learn because we've asked some good questions and we've paid attention well to the needs around us. And sometimes we do some learning because we mess things up. Because we missed an opportunity. Because we, we hurt someone or we, we made a mistake. Last week, we, we started this series by talking about civility, and we had a, a model of a civil conversation, and we talked about the approach towards civility needing to be foundationally rooted in our ability to look at another person and at a core level acknowledge and see them and approach them as being a child of God. As being someone of of equal value. And Paul in Philippians, he takes it even a step further and says, In humility, regard others as better than yourselves. And the preface to that statement is, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
I believe what he's challenging us to think about is the way in which we take up space in the world. The character in which we offer and, and, and give to others. Do we do it in a way that comes from our self-interest? What matters to us? What only affects us? Or are we looking and concerned and have care for, for others and, and how others experience and feel and exist in the world. What their experience of this is. Now this past week I uh, listened to a new podcast. And the topic was new in regards to the terminology. But the message beautifully intertwined with, with what we're talking about today. The podcast was called Cultural Humility. And the host of this podcast interviews all kinds of people from all over the world about both their understanding of, of what cultural humility is and how they live it out. Now, cultural humility is it's generally defined as a lifelong process that ensures that people learn about cultures and are sensitive to cultural differences. Now, many of you might be familiar with the term cultural competency. There's a lot of organizations uh, today that incorporate that into their learning um, as they, they bring new people on staff. This idea of what does it mean to be a culturally competent person. But cultural humility invites us to understand that there is a process and that learning is continuous and that it is what leads to a change in action or behavior or approach. Now looking back at Paul's invitation to consider our energy and our power that we have, it invites us to think about what are we exerting in the podcast, a professor and an artist from Southern California was being interviewed, the one I was listening to, and she shared that out of the learning about what cultural humility is, she created a video project that developed out of her desire to capture how she had seen and experienced the way in which people have a transformative attitude when we learn how and what it means to be open to listening and hearing and seeing others. She was amazed to kind of capture and, and to watch that process unfold because what she saw immediately, she said, was growth. Growth in the individual and the potential of how it might infiltrate out into the communities. So in this project, she decided to, to create three main principles of cultural humility. And the first one is exactly what we've already shared and that it is about a lifelong learning process. That we remain hungry and interested. There's not a point that we get to and say, okay, I think I've reached it. I am now humble. Check. Got that one. No. But that lifelong learning 
of what it means and looks like to be humble and aware and connected with those around you mean that you can't just stop. There's not a place you reach. You remain hungry and interested in others and who they are and what they experience. And the other side of that being that it results in us being willing to have critical self-reflection. How do I fit into this? What is my work or action or power that I can be a part of in this? And then the second principle is to recognize and to challenge power imbalances for creating respectful partnerships. That in order for us to, to respect one another, engage with one another, we have to recognize where there are imbalances. Be willing to recognize and confront what those challenges might be for us. And the third principle is very related in that it is to look at institutional accountability. What does it mean to be a part of an institution that desires to be culturally humble? How might that change who we are and what we do and how we serve and interact with others? The artist that this woman collaborated with created an expression that captured the impact. What it meant for for people to understand what being culturally humble means and looks like. And first, what they talked about is how it changed the person. How being aware in a new way allows you to function with a new attitude and and approach and behavior towards others as you encounter others. With a hunger to to ask questions and, and to seek understanding. But the second part of that is the impact that that has to an entire community. If that's the attitude by which we come to one another with. Now, in their video, they focused on doctors and teachers and professionals who, who provide care and, and influence a lot of other people. And they talked about this, this role that humility can play in community. And it was interesting to, to listen to so many desire for their leadership what they were going to school for, what they were learning as doctors or in their professions, what it showed was that they all wanted to be a part of meaningful change, to be a part of strengthening their communities. And as I think about where we are today as a church, we hear from a lot of people out in our community that they want to be a part of something that's doing good and, and making a difference. That they, they want to strengthen their communities in which they live. And I wonder what it looks like for us as, as an institution. We are God's body. What does it look like for us to consider what humility looks like for us on an ongoing basis it's a lifelong learning process our lives are not lived in a vacuum we are designed to relate with one another and with what attitude 
humility. Not so that we can be heroes, but so that we might show compassion and embody Christ's spirit with one another. Those you're sitting next to right now on the pew and everyone that you encounter along your way. One cannot say, I humbly exert my power over you. That's not humility in any form. Humility does not only mean not seeking praise or or recognition for doing the right thing. We're avoiding being ones who make decisions so that we don't have to take the blame or the praise. How many of us sometimes just want to be like, nope, don't want to be involved in that so that I don't have to take the blame or have the praise. I just want to leave that one over there and walk away. But humility is not about remaining neutral or uninvolved. Humility is the desire to to make decisions and be a part of making decisions with others, alongside people, seeking full awareness of how that decision might impact someone else. Being willing to ask, how is this going to make a difference? I like to think about humility as being a dialogue. It's something we engage in. It's, it's active and it invites us to see and understand that the ways that we engage, our opportunities to relate with others, demonstrates our understanding of another person's worth and value. And Jesus is constantly listening and, and paying attention to the needs around him. We have this age-old saying that actions speak louder than words. And certainly time and time again we we see Jesus acting and and working and, and, and being a part of community in a way that generates change. But it's not to gain recognition. In fact, we see quite the opposite. Jesus is often retreating after he's done a healing or, or fed people or been with people. And yet, Jesus' presence constantly was saying, I see you, and I am listening to you. And in the midst of providing healing and comfort and feeding other people, what's interesting as you read the stories of Jesus is that while he was doing that with the individual in front of him, often it was challenging and acknowledging the imbalances of the system of power that surrounded him. Constantly, he was paying attention to the dynamics all along the journey. I challenge you this week to to go back to some of those stories of Jesus. Maybe pick one of the gospel uh, books, either Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John. Just pick one of them and, and read through it this week, paying attention to who and what Jesus is caring for and how he is caring. His attitude was humble. So his life was lived out, and it and it wasn't to make others feel lowly or inadequate 
but it was to allow and open a door for transformation, for an enlivening of people's spirits, for redirecting folks to a greater good or a way of belonging. He called people out for the sake of those who lived more marginalized lives in order for this bigger, fuller picture of God's community to become known and realized. And his death on the cross was not the final act of sacrifice. Rather, it was the resurrection that reminded us of the ways in which God comes alive to us again and again in new ways, in ways that we never imagined possible even. And this coming alive is for all of us, for all people, that we might come to know the ways in which we live our lives makes a difference and and impacts others and creates for us joy where we experience what wholeness looks like what living life like Christ looks like. And in the midst of this letter that Paul writes, he he talks about what it means to be unified and, and lived in harmony with one another. The Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, is emphasized over and over again. And what he's talking about related to this peace is this ability for us to incorporate into our lives a desire to connect with others. So that we, but not only we, might experience the fullness of of what health looks like, what security looks like, what salvation looks like for our lives and for others. And I I wonder, how do we become like Christ in our humility? What does humbleness look like for our lives? It's not just about saying, I'm not going to take credit for that. But it's about embodying something deeper that looks to others with with care and consideration, approaching the world with a desire for unity and harmony and shalom, peace. And we have a role to play in that. That's something I want to be a part of resurrecting. And we together can do that for our lives, for our community. My prayer is that you might consider what it means for your life. What would taking on that attitude of Christ look like and be like for you and for our community?
As we sing our closing hymn today, I remind you always that this altar rail is a place to come and to pray if you want to just spend some time with God in that way towards the end of our worshiping together today. Or maybe you just want to take a moment where you are. Maybe you all stand and sing with us this closing hymn, See the Morning Sun Ascending, hymn number 674.